Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to. Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Emhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and we've got some fun, fun items, some fun topics to go over tonight with our intrepid crew. Before I bring them in, let me just remind everybody: it takes just a second to click the like button on the show. We really appreciate it. Click the thumbs up, click subscribe. We're up over seven thousand subscribers and growing. Uh, click the bell to get notified when we go live, and. Join, join the community over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. It continues to grow because even when the Seahawks aren't playing well, you want to be around other people that feel your pain and can have the conversation and soothe and make you feel better. And people are coming there in droves. So, and by the way, we gave away three tickets to the game last week. Announcing right now, we are going to be giving away three free tickets to another patron this week to the upcoming game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, it's a, it pays to be a patron. You get access to the community. You get to ask questions, which we answer on the show, help support charity, and you get free tickets to stuff. So come on, join up over there, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. We will announce the winner of those free tickets in the next couple of days. Are those tickets a reward or a punishment? Hey, now. Hey, now. Okay, you know, you're that, right. That was that was too negative to start us out. You're right. That, that is just I retract. I retract that statement. I retract it. You know, Arizona is baking your brain 
So you, you gotta, you gotta get some shade. I know it was like 57 or something or 60 something. Yeah. We had, we had a real blizzard this week. It's um, yeah. not going great right now. Everyone knows that smart ass voice. That is Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. Welcome Evan. Uh, Dana. At yeah. Dana OG on Twitter. Dana O'Gorman. Your hair looks lovely tonight. Now I say that to you because I looked at Evan's. Evan's hair is actually looking pretty lovely tonight. And, and I think the two of you together are really putting on a show uh, for the audit. So actually, I wanted to compliment you on this, Dana. Um, oh Lord. I don't know. No, I'm being a hundred percent genuine. You have a new profile picture on Twitter or something and it is awesome. You look, you look gorgeous. I'm serious. Oh it was it- just a joke from yesterday's um, our turn football podcast because I'm kicking everyone's ass in fantasy football over there. I was and like, did was- she redo her hair or change something or <laughs> just straighten it? I, I've had a crown on. That makes okay. all the difference. <laughs> okay. Now, speaking of hair, we've got to bring in the fourth member of our crew, uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. Are you here to tell me that your hair is not red? It is not. My beard is no, red. A liar. But my so when I was a kid, I was a towhead. I was blonde as heck. Okay. Now that I'm old, I have like brown, dark brown hair. Uh, but yeah, no, I never like I I'd never had red hair, and then I was like, I'm gonna grow a beard, and I was like, holy shit, it's red! <laughs> oh, wow, now see, we're gonna have to take your word for it, aren't we? I have pictures, <laughs> okay? I'm not putting well, any pictures from high school on the internet, but I, I, <laughs> I think we might need to see some pictures of you with hair. Like, I, I don't know, Evan, do you think that that's in a requirement? Are there photos of you with hair? Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You've had hair. Yeah, like yeah. It's not alopecia. I I choose to <laughs> to shave my head. Although I, I, I mean, at this point, I am very bald. So what what type of hair do you have? Is it like curly? Is it? So that's the thing. I people like you know joke. Oh ha ha, you're bald. And like, yeah, I am. My <laughs> hair sucked. Um, like I had like super fine hair, and like it would get like. I had to wash it like every day because it would get so oily. Like I didn't, I don't miss my hair at all. So this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, Riveting. Hey, Brian, how's your, uh, how's your golf game going? Really well. Is it? Really well. Yeah. I broke 80 for the first time a few weeks ago and then I did it again less than a week later. And so when, uh, when you go out and golf, are you usually like, is it solo, twosomes, foursomes? How does that? It's a fascinating question. Uh, you know, Nick Belore seems to have a corner on this approach. Uh, I love individual play. Doubles is great. Triples, threesomes, foursomes, any of them are fun out on the course. Uh, but yeah, does someone want to fill people in? Because that is a part of this show uh, on what's been going on with our, our lovely Seahawks off the field. Who wants to do the honors? Nope. Yeah, I want Dana to, to narrate this. All right, so here's the deal. We've all seen DK Metcalf got called out by a model on OnlyFans because apparently he was trying to have a foursome. He called her and told her to come in. Then halfway there, he called her and said, don't bother. She got real pissed, put it on the internet. But the best part of all this, because honestly, nobody cares about DK Metcalf's life. Have a good time, son. You're young. Be silly. Whatever. But Nick Ballor 
<laughs> tweeted back to DK, said, I guess it's a bad time to ask you if you want to be our fourth in Chambers Bay next week. I thought it asked a teammate, not only fans. But it was, it, it's, th- that's been the fun part of it is that they're really giving him a bad time about it because truly, like nobody cares, right? I kind of care. I think it's I think it's the most entertaining <laughs> You're thing. You're proud of him? Seahawks for a few weeks. <laughs> and thank God for Nick Ballore. I mean, the guy is a multi-threat. He's he's the best special teams player. He's probably I think he's one of our highest uh graded offensive players as well. And he takes the piss out of everybody on the team. Uh so how can you not like that guy? Um, right. Anyway, so Real Hot Cock is a subsidiary of TMZ now, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other news that just broke, like not specifically Seahawks related, is J.J. Watt being out for the year. I hadn't heard, I mean, I have to admit, I'm not following other teams as closely as I normally do. Hadn't heard he was even hurt. And then he's out for the year. And that guy was playing, he was a big part of their defense. Um, so yeah, the shoulder injury, is that what we're hearing? Dana, yes. I thought you had the scoop or something. Yes, it yes. It's also so an audio show, so nodding is not going to no, work. Gotta... Yeah, I thought someone else was going to talk. You poor thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, JJ Watt, they just announced it. Um, he's going to have season-ending shoulder in surgery, but it's really just a three-month recovery. That's why it's season ending had it happened a couple months ago you would have been back but I guess he got injured in the second half of the game last week um I I know that this is probably not a popular opinion I feel terrible for the guy I think his career has been stunted because he cannot keep his ass on the field and he's a fantastic guy he's a fantastic player um but this was the risk with him right like we all knew that when they when he was wanting to go to other teams people were like oh you want JJ Watt I'm like why for four games like he just you knew that he probably wouldn't stay on the field. So um, Adam Schefter broke that and, and uh, it was, I, I just feel bad. I don't, I don't know how much of an impact it'll have on the Cardinals. I think it'll have some obviously, um, but, and I think Jeff said in our chat that really he's been the most effective on the run in the, uh, against the run game, but, um, but it's a blow because they paid a pretty penny for him. So. Yeah. I mean, he's, been a pretty good pass rusher too uh, and i just evan i think evan and i can maybe battle it out for whose priors are more saved by this news because not that i would ever be happy that someone's injured but right. we both shat all over that uh sign jeff too. oh yeah um, i mean we were like what a terrible contract why would you pay that guy all that money he's injured he's washed like all that and he looked like J.J. Watt when he was playing this year. I was like, mm-hmm. man, he doesn't look like he's washed. And I just pulled it up here. Like his PFF grade, it's not super high. It's like 79.5. It would be like That's elite pretty, for the Seahawks. Decent. <laughs> but That's like pretty good for his it's age. It's pretty good. His pass rush grade was over 83. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, Brian, part of that criticism, though, around that contract was like, I don't know how to – talk about this delicately like he's had a lot of injuries in the past several years so it's like year after year after year and they guarantee like a huge chunk of that deal so it's like that was part of the criticism was like he hasn't been super available reliably in the past several years and obviously he's just getting older so i mean he's still talented but unfortunately 
you know, he's going to be out for the year. And that was one of the reasons I think some teams chose to pass on him in free agency. Absolutely. And, you know, Nathan, what we know for sure is that uh, the Cardinals are, are now shaking in their boots at the, the thought of facing either Ethan Posick or Kyle Fuller because they don't have their big hoss in the middle anymore. I maintain that Ethan Posick is okay, but yeah, I don't think they're... Uh... Do you really? You're going to stand Ethan Posick? He's fine. He's fine. This so is the thing. Mine's a four-letter F word. If he's fine, what is Kyle Fuller? <laughs> All right, Fuller's pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> Fuller's not very good. Uh, no, if so you, like, I mean... A grade, like like a uh, one to ten, where, yeah, where is Posick? Ten being best, one being worst. For and five being like average, just yes. like league average. I think five he's like average. average a four okay and fuller's like a three and joey hunt god bless him was like a two. Oh, you think hunt was worse than fuller yeah i mean fuller at least stands a chance okay. um but yeah sorry anyway, I know. Uh, you're gonna say something go ahead yeah yeah so i mean people you know have been crapping on the seahawks for the creed humphrey thing yeah that really looks awful in retrospect but like you know, why didn't you go out and get a good center? Well, there was Corey Lindsley, and then there was a bunch of, like, guys. Like, guys that we would be sitting here complaining about today if they had signed. So, I don't know. I don't know the center position is that big a deal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, you got it. That last part, you lost me. You don't think the center position is that big of a deal? I mean, generally, like, no. And also, like, for the Seahawks, no. I mean, these guys aren't black holes, Um Fuller had an awful game against the Saints for sure, but uh, I don't know. I think it's getting more attention than it probably deserves. There's there's plenty of problems ranked above the center position, and this team could be very good with the centers they have. Interesting. Evan, do you see it that way? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. Really, like you, you see like how the offensive line performed and really took a nosedive after they traded away Max Unger. Like, I, I think, um, yeah, like technically there's not a lot of like importance to the position, but like from a leadership perspective, especially with like pre-snap calls, you know, with coverage and protection, that feels important to me. Um, so I, I think uh, from like a communication perspective, I think there's a lot of value to the role. I think you might be underselling it a little bit, Nathan, but I would also not say it's the most important position on the offensive line. So I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I don't know, Dana. I, I It was hard to watch that last game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of the center position, like it's, we've seen, we've had seen some pretty bad center play over the last, I have a vision. I have a horrible memory of Joey Hunt just getting like, yeah, like like snapping the ball and just falling straight backwards in Santa Clara <laughs> last year. Yeah. You guys remember that? Just like oh, straight. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, just once. He was like a domino. It was just boom. We've seen Drew Nowak. I know that Nathan's a fan of Patrick Lewis, but Patrick Lewis wasn't very good either. We saw. I mean. We've seen Kyle Fuller. We've seen Joey Hunt. Ethan Posick at times has been pretty bad. Um, the last time we had a good center, like a good center, I, I guess Justin Britt had a Pro Bowl year, right? Mm-hmm. One year. 
that happened. <laughs> happened, right? I he was really good for one year. I, I'm not sure why he dropped off so well, but he was real solid for a year once they was, moved him. He was part of real thigh talk for sure. That guy was, mm-hmm. he was built <laughs> from the waist down. Right. I just like, look, I'm not going to try to sell anyone that like the center position is like set for a few years or that they shouldn't try to improve or that it's good or even average. Right. Um, I just, you know, I think that Fuller had some spectacularly like uh, jaw droppingly bad plays in that game. And I think he's getting some extra blame that probably belongs to Jamarco Jones, to Dwayne Brown, like, there were problems all up and down the line. And I think Fuller was the most uh, posterized of the bunch. And so he's getting extra, uh, extra ire this week. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this more than we already have. I, I think what I've just seen over time watching, not just this generation of Seahawks, but multiple years, uh, multiple different incarnations, is that it makes just a huge difference if you get just one position solidified with a very good player on the line. Yes, it doesn't make the whole line, but you know, I still go back. I remember when Chris Terry came in at right tackle for the early 2000 Seahawks and all of a sudden their offense took off. You know, I think that you know, Max Unger at center was like an epiphany like Robbie Tobeck when he was there was a really big deal even though he wasn't like the best player, but he just, he was a solid, reliable, you knew what you were going to get every week kind of player. And the opposite's also true. When you have a guy that's just not a starting quality player and teams can game plan and pick on them every week, it's just really hard to be consistent on offense. Um, So yeah. Center is the most protectable position. Maybe it should be maybe in football. Right. And so I think so like, yeah, I don't think center is a particularly important position generally, but when you have guards next to them that, that, you know, are hanging on by the skin of their teeth, then you can't protect the center the same way. And, you know, I think a lot of centers that you plug into this offense right now with the people around them are going to get exposed uh, in similar ways because, you know, centers aren't great athletes. Go look at their combines, right? Go look at the just height and weight. They're not particularly they're not going to be the best athlete on the line more often than not. And yeah. so, you know, Seattle is just not in a position to, to cover for that in the way, you know, you would hope your team is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's exactly what I was going to say before is that the thing with the center is that they can be great and make up for not great people next to them. Or if you have a great line next to them, you don't have to have a great center yeah. when but you need one or the other. Because that's when you start to get those huge holes and you're running for your life. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're seeing it in Kansas City right now. I mean, it's, we're seeing it in, in Seattle, but you're also seeing it dreadfully in Kansas City right now. Well, that's interesting because they've got a, a young Pro Bowl center. Uh, yeah, but the rest of that line's crap. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, you got to have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has been interesting to watch what's been going on with the Chiefs a little bit. Um, watching Patrick Mahomes get make a lot of turnover you know he's made turnover worthy throws now getting turnovers in reality they've been forces uh watching him run a little bit more and not being skilled at you know throwing uh while he's scrambling watching the offense really perform still pretty well but defense being awful um yeah that's that's it's there's just some interesting stuff going on in the nfl this year 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you read Shields' piece on the Chiefs? No. Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on the, time on the Chiefs in this show, but if, if no. for folks who haven't read it and if you have an athletic subscription, I thought Shields' piece was excellent. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give us give us a couple of things that, that jumped out to you about it. Um, oh my God, the defense is bad. Uh, and he lays that out real clearly. Um, like it's, it's, Oh God, bad. Um, and then uh, the offense is very good, but yeah, like you mentioned, the turnovers are killing them right now. Um, but they, they have something, their turnover rate is something like twice what the league average was last year mm-hmm. um, and way above obviously where Mahomes has ever been. So probably a safe bet, bet that that comes back and, you know, if they can, Kind of like we've always talked with the Seahawks and their offensive line. Boy, if they could just be below average, <laughs> if if that defense can just be below average, they're probably starting to look like the Chiefs of the last few years. But. Yeah. I mean, that offense is super dangerous still. Um, yeah. And I, I think part of the reason I, I wanted to spend, I mean, I think it's worth spending the time that we did on that um, is if you're looking for optimism about the Seahawks and looking for an honest, you know, path to where this season can be mean something more than, than uh, just playing out the string. I think it starts with the play of the defense the last few weeks, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like Dana, if, if for a long time, we talked about if the Seahawks defense can just be average and then, you know, Russell and the offense can do their thing, then this team can beat a lot of teams. Um as bad as they've been at times, it feels like for most of the last three games, they've been good, like at least average. I would give them average and then having good moments. So do you guys remember a few years back after the couple of Super Bowls, it took the offense like half the season to get rolling really good. And then they were absolutely unbeatable in November and December. The defense was always super good. We've gotten that flipped a little bit now where it seems that the defense has to warm up and it's kind of strange and it's taken them less time this year than it did last year, which is a good thing. But I do think that we're seeing improvement there. And I don't know if that's just people settling into their roles. Um, I think I know Jamal Adams is a very hot topic and I'm on the outs with everyone else on this one, but I think that they're starting to use Jamal Adams a little bit more. Um, the way they wanted to, they tried to leave him in coverage and he, that's just not who he is. I don't think, but, um, and so I do feel like we're starting to see some better play. And then you have these glaring moments of just what was that? You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it's just exhausting to say, like, what were you seeing? What were you looking at? Why'd you get beat so bad? Um, but I think that the corners are playing a little better. Um, I still think, you know, DJ Reed is obviously the best of the bunch, but yeah, I've been encouraged for lack of a better term, the last couple of games about the defense. Yeah. Evan, you know, let me give you a couple numbers and then I want to hear your thoughts on the defense and whether you believe like whether you're buying what, what you're seeing from the defense. So we talked about the Seahawks. Can they just be a league average defense? They are currently ranked 14th in the NFL in points allowed. Okay. They're ranked sixth in the NFL in third down, opponent third down rate. They're ranked fourth in the NFL in red zone defense. Um, Even passer rating is 19th. It's not like great. 
but it's not 32nd, you know. Um, they're 11th in the NFL and explosive passes allowed. So what are your thoughts about what you're seeing? And yeah, is there something that can be built upon here when Russell comes back? Yeah. So listen, I'm not, I'm not going to shit on the defense for making improvements because what we saw from, you know, the first couple of weeks was, was pretty disastrous, but um, I would just urge caution is, 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 it would be my message. Uh, I acknowledge the improvement. I'm excited to see it. I think they are improving, um, but they did play two very bad offenses, but regardless, you know, I think four or five weeks ago, we'd be happy with this. So I am cautiously optimistic that this defense is on a positive trajectory. We will see if it holds. Um, The Jags are, are the Jags the best offense they've played of the last three weeks, including this next week? the Jaguars offense is really bad. But the Saints and Steelers are... No, the Saints were not that bad um same they've offense. put up like less than 13 points like three games this yeah, year 10th in the nfl they were 10th in the nfl going into the game and in, in scoring they were number one in red zone offense they were 10th and third down rate they were ninth in rush yards okay so they're they're a little bit better rating. than i'm probably yeah. giving them credit for they weren't great they were like 28th in yards like the, there was some weird stuff with them sure yeah i guess that would just be my message is what about uh, the first half against the rams too it's not just the last two games right it's two and a half games. That game is wiped from my memory. I don't think it should be. I thought no, like I literally half, don't know. That like first I, half was not fluky. I thought they played the Rams offense as well as anyone played the Rams offense this year. I wasn't making a joke. Like I got intentionally drunk after oh. Russell got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that wasn't a joke. <laughs> I I do remember the Rams game, and I do think that it was at least a little fluky their performance in the first half like i mean stafford missed some throws you know they the the pick in the end zone was you know great play by Diggs. you're right it was it was uh i I don't think that's a play that stafford makes very often um so i i do think that they got they had some some luck on their side on that one Hmm. interesting i i don't think this defense does luck uh, at least positive luck uh, and they definitely don't sustain a full half of defense against good offenses at least they haven't done that much and that was one time they did so you know I, I, I didn't think that was fluky what we have seen in general is when this defense gives up the first score it seems like an avalanche like they have trouble stopping <laughs> it from happening uh, they've done a little better with that um, I thought the Saints after they scored the touchdown would just you know, keep rolling. And they didn't, um, they pretty much, you know, they shouldn't really have scored the rest of the game after that. Um, so if it's not that, uh, since I hear skepticism from Evan and Nathan, um, you know, I don't want to say skepticism, cautious optimism, cautious, cautious optimism. Okay. And the thing I'll say for the, like, I think there are big caveats in the last few weeks. I mean, the Steelers offense is bad. The Saints offense isn't very good and they caught him in the rain. Um, I do think that there was some flukiness to the start of that Rams game, but you know, since the Rams game, the last two weeks, we haven't seen the communication issues, the major breakdowns. Um, You know, there's things that you can go and point to in these games where like, Oh, you know, maybe they, 
got lucky to have not given up a big play here or there or whatever, but they don't look as out of sorts as they were before. And, you know, once you get Russ back, if you can get the offense playing the way it's supposed to be playing, right. Just the way we've seen it play in the past. I'm not even like projecting any improvement or anything like that. And you can get the defense playing sound, right. Not making huge mistakes. Um, then I think you have something, right? Then you, then you still look like a pretty good football team. Yeah. So Dana, I mean, what, what's your, what's your optimistic perspective on how things can progress? Like what, what do you, what do you imagine when you like look in your mind's eye of like, okay, if things really go the right way. What does it look like? For defense or for the whole team? For the whole team. Well, I think the big, the, that question hinges on what, how quickly Russell Wilson comes back. I mean, we, we've seen Geno Smith. We know what Geno Smith is and everyone knows what Geno Smith is. And so I don't think as long as he is um, under center that, that there's much optimism to be had. And, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him. It's just that he's not a starting quarterback. That's not who he is. Um, Russ comes back for Green Bay probably still going to lose that game. Not going to lie right now. I think that Russ would absolutely kill himself to get it, but it's iffy whether he even comes back for that. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, other than the Cardinals, I mean, they play Washington we play 49ers again, which we've already seen them beat. They play the Texans, which everyone should go to that game because there's going to be a bunch of us there. Um, and they have to play the Rams again, but then they have the bears and the lions, right? Like there's some serious opportunity there. And so I think that if the defense can start to turn into the defense of the second half of last year, which again, I'm cautiously optimistic too, like, like Evan, I think that, I think that we've seen that improvement. We need to see even more improvement the next game and then kind of let it snowball that. But I I think that there's a good chance. Seattle would definitely need some help from some other teams, but I still think that there's a pretty good, uh, not a pretty good chance a chance that they could make the playoffs. Um, and with Russ being gone for as long as it was and as badly they played beginning of the season and when he was gone, that, that would be a pretty big feat at that point. Can I just jump on the defense thing Please. for a second? Um, assuming Russell's back, the Packers game is a pretty good test. Um, that's a really good football team, a really good offense. Um I don't think anybody expects them to us to hold them to 13 points or anything like that, but um, it might be a barometer or sort of like a metric data point to see how, see how this defense is progressing in three weeks from now. And yeah. I think that Thursday, the Thursday night game against the Cardinals will give us a really good idea how they play. And mm-hmm. now we've seen, we've, we've seen how green Bay plays, but they haven't, they would have to go in against the Cardinals who are looking really pretty good this year. And if they, kind of as much as we might like it completely annihilate the Cardinals ooh, right the game is done right at that point I would have no right, hope if, for Green Bay if they annihilate the Cardinals yeah because the Cardinals have been such a strong team and they have they have come back and win and so I think if Green Bay goes oh, in and, Green and Bay. makes a huge Green Bay goes in and annihilates the Cardinals I apologize I said this Thursday game I'm, I'm sorry I should have said Green Bay Green Bay goes in then I'd be like okay well let's just write that one off and we'll go play the Texans and make ourselves feel better at that point but I mean here's the thing about that Packers game you know at the start of the season when we were all much more optimistic about this team 
six of us picked them to lose that game. Only Evan picked them to win, right? So, you know, losing that game isn't necessarily, like, even with rest back, isn't necessarily going to be a, a nail in the coffin of what this team is, like, quality-wise. The hard thing is, so you have the rest of the way, you've got games against the Jaguars, uh, Washington football team, Niners, Texans, Bears and Lions. That's six games. That gets you to eight wins. Then you need to steal at least one of Packers, Cardinals, Cardinals, Rams. Probably two of those. And you still are losing tiebreakers in some scenarios to the Saints and the Vikings. I could see Seattle winning two of those. But Mm -hmm. I just have a bad gut feeling that Seattle would drop one or two against those shitty teams i mean that's the thing i mean they, mm. they have to be perfect against teams they should be which you Dana, know do i need to remind you of what happened with colt mccoy and the giants at home oh for god's sake get over yourself on that one it's a new season i'm just saying i'm just saying crazy we're not shit talking about happens the cowboys. we're not talking about that no, Cowboys and right. He's right to say that, like, okay, even the team when it's playing well, uh, which it was during, they won almost every game the second half of last season except for that one, which is it's it's totally fair. I get what you're saying, but I think because of the position the they're in, I think because of the position that they're in, I think that they would fight harder. It would be, I would, it would be less likely in my mind that they would play down to their competition at any point because of where they're at. I do like the backs against the wall element. Mm-hmm. I will say that. There's a flip side of that though. I mean, what I've been watching for the last few weeks and I've been pretty impressed to not see it. I think it says a lot about the coaching staff that we haven't is defense, especially rushing defense is a lot about heart and will and effort. And one of the first places you see teams start to give up on their season is in run defense. Um, and after the first half against the Steelers, when they're 14, nothing, I fully expected to just see less effort from the defense in the second half. And we got the opposite. Like they played really, they played really, really well in the second half. They played a complete game against the saints for the most part. They, you know, um, there, there wasn't a lot to complain about um, from a defensive standpoint. So I guess my point is like, if things aren't going well against Jacksonville, let's say they lose 10 to three to the Jaguars, then it starts to become, becomes pretty hard to get up and put your body on the line, play after play after play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And things can snowball pretty fast. The bye week is really well timed here. If they get rest back for that green Bay game, that gives them a boost. So yeah, even I mean, I think even a, a heartbreaking loss to the Jaguars, I think there's still hope that they can pull it back. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point, um, at some point, this team is going to realize like what position they're in or, you know, and and then we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, are you guys buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? And Evan, I'm going to start with you. Is it, is it next Tuesday? Is that what it is? Or Wednesday? I will let you know. NFL. I think it's like sometime I next week. I think it's week. next Tuesday. I think it's like Tuesday at three or four or something. Yeah. 
Um, November 2nd at 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. 1 p.m. Yeah. I'm not really convinced they need, this is a lame answer, but I'm not convinced they need to fully go either way. Um, so you don't want them to make any move? They should make some moves. They should trade away Rashad Penny, LJ Collier, guys who just like you can get scraps for. But I don't really, I'm trying to think of one player that I'd really like them to explore a potential trade for. It doesn't have to be a player. What's a position that you're like, yeah, go real. Here's the thing though, Brian, I don't think they're a position away or like one player or two players or three players away from competing for a Super Bowl this year. So it's like, why, why leverage future capital, you know, to not buy any hope for this year? I don't know. I, I just don't think I'd be disappointed if they made some big time move trading for somebody thinking that they're only a piece or two away. I just don't think they are. Okay. So what I'm hearing from that is you'd be most disappointed if they made a trade to acquire a big player with, yeah, with significant capital basically. Okay. Uh, but kind of wishy-washy about whether you're buy or sell, you're kind of in the middle. Um, yeah. I just don't think there's a real strong argument that they should we this team is in the gutter right now, but I, I I and Brian, you're not gonna like this comment, but like I really believe like with new leadership, this team could be contending again in two to three years. I really do. Like there's talent on this team. There is. Like they're just in a shitty spot right now. Yeah, no, that's that's a fine perspective. Um, Dana, you a buyer or seller at the trade deadline? Fine is a four-letter F word. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I don't know if you guys read Sean's article in the, um, in the Athletic today, but he actually talked about a couple of um, Michael Sean Dugger, sorry. Um, they he talked about a couple trade, and I was going to ask you guys what you thought about. It. He said um, he talked about Houston's um, from Houston Texans Charles. I'm going to butcher this. It's Omenihu, O M E N I H U. Defensive end, fifth round pick from 2019. He has 17 quarterback hits, 9.2 pressure rate. He would be ranked second on the Seahawks, and they think they'd get him for a day three pick. And the Texans are selling everybody again. Once again, they're getting rid of everybody. So that wouldn't be a huge cost, especially if you could get rid of Collier or Penny for the same day pick. You know what I mean? It would almost be a wash. You wouldn't really lose anything at that point. I think that the thing of it is, is he's 24. And I think that that's maybe if they're going to start trading at, you know, this point, um, I think they have to start looking at youth. I think we all agree that this team is getting a little old and we need some younger players, but players maybe that have proven themselves because we don't love the way they draft. So if you can go get a player like that, who might be really, you know, a good addition or some good depth, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Um, but I think that they should probably be buyers on players at that level. I, I agree that I don't think you should go out and make a splash at trade. This, this is not the year to make a splash for the trade. Um, and if they're going to sell, I think it'll be at the same level player. I think the Colliers, the Pennies, um, you know, that sort of player. Um, so kind of play at that lower, that mid to lower level. But if the big names, th this is not the year for that. This is not the year for that at all. You put it uh, perfectly. A splash yeah. is what would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, where are you on this? Buyer or seller? Uh, 
I mean, I'm right there. Like, if they try to make a big deal, that would make me really angry. Um, <laughs> they've been bitten by that now so many times. So to try that again would be disappointing. Um, I just don't know what they do then. Like, with Amenahu, like, or Amenahu, uh does he start? Does he get snaps? Like, we're already mad about the number of snaps that Alton Robinson's getting. So if you add somebody like that, like... I wouldn't be against it. I think he's, you know, I mean, I liked him in the draft. I haven't paid attention to him since he got drafted much, but mm-hmm. um, I just don't know what what you do, what you bring in that really addresses, you know, um, any kind of a need. You know, I mean, as weird as it is, like this team is not very good. I do think I'm more down on their talent than I think most people are. But when you start to think about, you know, bringing in a guy like that and then where do they play? Like, are you going to trade for a corner and play him over Trey Brown or Ugo? Are you going to, you're not trading for a safety because that's full. I mean, with Neil as a backup even. So like, and on the offensive line, like you could use help at center, but what are you getting for like a fifth round pick? Yeah. Right. I, I, I get that. I, you know, I'm a big believer in depth, especially, I mean, we just saw my piece players now out for the season. Right. And so this is the time of year when that stuff starts piling up on you and it's the trade deadline. So do you, do you go ahead and, and spend those couple of extra just to have a little bit more depth? I'm a, I always go back to our Super Bowl teams and we had such depth and we could just rotate those players in and I think that's important. So, you know, it, would he take snaps away? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that there, it wouldn't be bad to have some insurance, especially if you can get rid of players that we don't need and get that same pick back. So you're not really losing anything. You're just kind of shuffling at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good. It's good. You guys, you guys are pretty uniform, I think in your mm-hmm. perspective and I'm no surprise, totally different place. Like, uh, I think any moves to acquire talent now for draft picks. So there's a couple of things I'm, I'm challenged by. So Danny, you mentioned, I know it's kind of offhand, but I think it's a, it's growing to be a prevalent perspective. Like, oh, the Seahawks don't draft well anyway, so let's just trade for players. Well, they don't trade well either for the most part. And I don't think it, not that I don't think, I know it is a terrible, terrible way to build any roster with any amount of durability and stability to just assume you're always going to draft poorly. Like you have to, you have to value the draft. You have, if you're not doing it well, then get someone who's going to do it well, but you can't just like, just keep trading away picks. So that's one thing. The other is this notion that, and this is just a common fan thing. I'm a fan, so I'm not like above anybody, but I I think it just comes up all the time where people are like, okay, let's trade LJ Collier for like a fourth round pick or, and like, Nobody wants LJ Collier guys. Like okay. nobody wants Rashad Penny. Like literally nobody wants them. Now they're first round picks. So you might maybe, maybe if you're very lucky, get a sixth or a seventh, that would be like incredibly fortunate. And I'm guessing it would be a conditional pick. Like if any GM knows anything, they would make that pick conditional because these guys haven't done anything or they've been injured. So I don't know that the Seahawks have a lot of players that would fetch much in return. Um, to trade, but uh, I would personally, I would be offloading every veteran I could at this deadline. I would look to trade Kerry Hyder. I would look to trade Carlos Dunlap. I would look to trade Al Woods. Like I would go on down that list. Anybody that has potential value. I think, you know, even Dwayne Brown, I think I would rather see 
Stone, Forsyth, and however bad that's going to look, I would rather see some of those young players and know what they're going to look like the rest of the season than stick with guys that look, you know, even the most optimistic scenarios we're going through, maybe you sneak into the last wild card spot and I don't think you do anything in the playoffs. So I don't think that helps. And then a lot of these guys are potentially not part of your next year um, or future years. And they're taking up cap space. Some of them like Dunlap, like, so anyway, I, I strongly fall in the camp of sell and sell everything you possibly can up to, but not including, you know, there's some, there's a report that came out a Florio report, right. About like, could Russell maybe push to get traded in the middle of the season? I'm like, that would be asinine. Like Russ might push for that. I doubt he would. This is the wrong way, the wrong time to to trade Russell Wilson. If you're going to do it ever. Like this is, you're not going to get your best deal in the middle of the season like this. Um, Bobby Wagner, another guy where it's like, you know, Nathan, you and I were like trade Wagner three years ago. Right. Like yeah. we were pretty, pretty clear about that. And, and I, I still think that potentially depending on what you could have gotten might've been the right move in a weird way. Like I feel like trading him now, I don't think you'd get enough in return. And I think, I think you'd lose the whole locker room. I think you're going to lose the locker room to trade some of these other guys, but I just feel like that is just like literally ripping the heart out of part of the team and sends a pretty, I don't know, ominous message. Dwayne Brown, you could argue is, is similar, but he just doesn't have the tenure that, that Bobby does um, for the team. So it would be amazing if after all off season being like, we want to pay a Jamal Adams, but we ain't going to pay you more than Bobby Wagner. And then mid season, they're just like, pull the plug, get Bobby out of here, <laughs> trade him for a six round pick. Well, and here's the crazy part guys. Uh, I don't think that being a seller at the trade deadline means that you have necessarily like totally sold this season out. I've seen times where you want to get rid of our entire defense and you don't think that's selling the team. (laughs) I don't know that it would. (laughs) Carlos Dunlap, what has he done for you? And, and what, you know, I think, I guess my point is there's been times I've seen where young players that were blocked by older players getting their opportunity to start full time end up actually being an improvement and end up bringing energy and playmaking that the the other players weren't. And coaches get really attached to older players and veterans because they trust them to do things assignment correct and all those things. So the power structure here though, just doesn't like there. John's not trading Dunlap out from under uh, Pete. And so, you know, the idea, like if this was a more equitable GM coach thing or more traditional GM coach thing, then yeah, maybe, right. You could trade him out from under him and just force him to play the younger guys, but he's just not going to let it happen. Right. If Pete was raring to go on Alton Robinson and some of these younger guys, he would just be playing them. Mm-hmm. It, I, I want to, I just want to throw one thing out here that I think that we just as in general as football fans need to keep in mind. There was a whole segment I listened to on Sirius XM NFL radio, and it was all about how they don't expect there to be much trades at the deadline. Like they're thinking a handful because there's a very large majority of the teams that still have no cap space. Like they are really struggling with cap space this year and next year, believe it or not, Seattle is one of the teams that they thought could, because they do have a little bit of room, but we're talking Jacksonville and we're talking a bunch of these other teams that, you know, really, you know, that aren't winning right now anyway. And 
they could trade for someone here or there, but it wouldn't improve their team to the way they need to in the season's loss. So, so I don't think there's actually going to be much trading at the trade deadline. Um, and I really would be surprised if there was some big crazy splash move. And so while we, you know, we, Brian will be okay, would be okay with getting rid of some of these bigger players. I don't know that the market necessarily would be there. Yeah. I mean, Mike, so I don't disagree with you, Nathan, or what you're saying, Dana. Um, mm -hmm. The question wasn't what I think the team's going to do. Sure. Um, is what what they you, should do. Okay. What, yeah. For me, gotcha. for me, this is, this is a classic mistake of a team that's in the death throes of, you know, being from being a contending team to not being a contending team and holding on to, to hope too long and holding on to players that have more value off the team than they do on the team. Um, I, I want to start the, the, the rebuild now. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's where I am totally, totally unlikely, um, that that happens, but, um, there's two things that are working against that for me. One is you don't have your first round pick. So the value of potentially just tanking, like I know that you're, I don't disagree with you that you could actually maybe improve by offloading some of these players. That's, that's definitely on the table, but more likely than not, I think you tank your season. And if you had your first round pick, I'd be a lot more interested in that. Um, the other thing is just like you said, like they've already held on to a lot of these guys too long. I don't know what you get for Bobby now. I don't know what you get for Dwayne Brown. Um, I mean, none of us are particularly impressed with Dunlap, and he didn't really have a market on the free agent uh, in free agency. So, do, what do you get for Dunlap? Right? Are you can you recoup the sevens that you spent on him last year? I don't know. Um, so, I think that's the other thing is too. You, there's just no guy that you're going to sell and really get anything of much interest back. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that you're going to. I mean, I don't know if I agree on Dwayne Brown. I, I think that a left tackle that is that still has for a contending team has real value always. Um, not first round pick value, but could he net a third round pick? I don't think that's totally un, unrealistic. Um, so to me, it's more about just it's also clearing cap space for future years. It's, uh, you know. Look, John has probably hit on more sixth and seventh round picks than he's hit on first round picks. So, uh, you know, I, I think those are valuable. And um, I, I just want the young players. Like, like the, the perfect one, I think Jeff brought it up in our Monday post game show. Like, why isn't Dakota Shepley getting a shot at center? Like, why are they just going back to Ethan Posick? Like, let the young guy who you haven't seen, who you don't know for sure what he is. Give him a shot. Now they might be like, well, we've seen him and he's not that good. Maybe that's part of it. But I think Posick's an unquantity and he's not very good. Um, so at least he has a little upside. So in any event, um, that that's where I am on it. Um uh, but yeah, I think that's I think we're all in agreement that making a big move that you acquire somebody would be a mistake. Somebody just asked in the chat, like, hey. Brian, would you trade a third round pick for Xavier Howard? And I'm like, no, like when's the last time the Seahawks acquired a veteran cornerback in any way, whether it's a signing a veteran free agent or trading for them at outside corner that came in and played well for this team. It doesn't happen. So 
yeah, they draft and they haven't even drafted corners for the most part that have played well for them for years. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not interested in in any more big contract veteran players being added to a team that is two and five, and in most likely will end up with a 500 or so record this year. Like that's the most likely outcome. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am. Um, let's talk about uh, patron questions. Where where are the patrons on? Where are their heads at? What do they want to know? Uh, they're not far off from us. Um, all right, Brexton wants to know. Now that we're seven games into the season, how would you grade the decisions to not extend Dwayne Brown and Quandre Diggs? Um, I, I, I let's tee you up for a Quandre discussion, Dana. Well, how do you feel about those right now? Yeah, but from what he's Quandre's played this year, I, I, I although I, again I, I I pointed it out to you during the game. I'm like, look. Look, it was Quandre. Look, it was Carlos Dunlap. Because I think that we have the last couple games, they've looked a little bit better. Um, I think it was probably smart for them to not really extend either one of them, to be honest with you. I mean, Dwayne Brown, we are like, oh, give him a year. Give him an extra year. It'll make him happy. And now that's probably one of the smarter moves that they didn't, you know, that they didn't do that. And, and Diggs, I think they wanted to see if he could do, could step up to the next level a little bit this year. And he hasn't done that so far. It doesn't mean he won't. I mean, there's still plenty of games left, but um, I think if they really believe that they're going to have to start rebuilding this team um, and you guys know, I have my own theory on that, but um, then I think that, that, that was probably one of the smarter moves they did. Remind me, I do want to come back. You said there's some things you agreed with us about. I want to come back to that after we do the Patreon questions. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you got it yes uh okay then we got three in a row they're all basically the same question just variations uh one from nick mortensen one from will l one from dj burnett uh nick wants to know russ pete john norton waldron how many of the five come back next year will wants to know what percent chance you give pete of walking away uh and dj wants to know hypothetically if pete were to retire do we think Russ would stay if he got the influence to hire of an ex head coach? I think, I think let's just go around and uh, answer the Russ, Pete, John Norton, Waldron question uh, of who who's back next year, Evan, Russ, Pete, John Norton, Waldron, which ones are back next year? Not who you want back, but who oh, totally. predict who is going to be back. Yes. That's Let me point. start off by saying there's a 0% chance. All five of those guys are back next year. Agreed. I agree. Together. Zero percent. Zero percent. Zero percent. Okay. Let's be realistic. Okay. I'll be more realistic. Five percent. Five percent chance because I don't know for certain. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. That's how I feel. All right. Well, you have to, uh, who's <laughs> most likely to leave of the five? You Boring. say someone's leaving. Come on, Evan. Yeah. Jesus. The take machine over here. I think it's, I think it's possible Shane Waldron isn't back next year. That would be crazy. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree, and I don't know that he's necessarily earned coming back. Uh, but wow. Uh, well, you know, they're going to make Ken Norton the offensive coordinator as well as the defense coordinator. He's going to get promoted. And no, but Nate Carroll will be the defensive coordinator. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, All right, Dana. <laughs> Russ, Pete, John Norton, Waldron, and try to have a little bit more. Uh, 
guts. I, I think Ken Norton is gone. I think he's done. I don't care if they finish the number one defense in the year. I think that they've struggled too much. Um, I know that he's a friend and you guys all think that Pete, you know, has this big, huge thing where he won't fire anybody, but he's proven differently. He gives them one year too long every single time, but I think that he does manage to get rid of them. Um, I, and this is something when I mentioned to you guys that I, that's something I agree with you on. Um, I think, I think it's, I think Pete is starting to feel his, um, um, his tenure come to an end. I think he's understanding that, that maybe he won't be back. I would, would not be surprised. I would be, if he's there, that wouldn't surprise me, but I would not be surprised if he walked away this year. Um, Waldron is completely baffling to me. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I don't know if he's not had a chance. I don't know if he hasn't been able to develop. I don't know what the hell to think of Waldron. So that's where I'm stuck. But I think if I had to say for sh- in my gut, for sure, once not back, I'm going to say Ken Norton. I'm hoping. Do you think it's more likely that Pete comes back or more likely that Pete uh, leaves, retires? You could probably with about, I think if they make the playoffs, the chances of him coming back are much higher. Um, If they don't make the playoffs, um, I think it's about 50-50. If they have a losing season, I don't think he's back. All right, Brian. Russ, Pete, John, Norton, Waldron. I think the most likely scenario is that Russ, Pete, John, and Waldron are back. I think that's the most likely scenario. I think that if you start playing different combinations, um, people aren't going to like this. I think it's more likely that Russ is gone than Pete and John, Pete or John are gone. Um, whether we agree with that or not, I just think that that's more likely because they're the ones in control and, and Russ also has already started to make noise that he wanted to go. And (laughs) there's some evidence that he's already starting that train or his agents are again. So, um, that would be just awful for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, and then the next most likely after that would be Pete goes, Russ stays. Um, what I don't know in that situation is whether John goes as well. Um, mm-hmm. I have some reason to believe that that John's not really interested in hiring the next coach and going through a rebuild either. So um, don't know, but maybe maybe that would be interesting. So. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, I don't think that's what people want to hear, but I think that's what I'd expect is most likely. Yeah. I mean, I'll echo the Norton thing. I think he's by far the most likely to go. Um, I worry that, that Russ is done, um, that he might force his way out and that might be, uh, you know, pulling uh, that, that might make the whole thing come down. Cause I don't know that Pete is interested in, especially that he's got a taste of Gino. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to look at that and be like, yeah, let's, let's start this up and try to find the quarterback again. So um, Gargam wants to know, uh, after Pete, uh, hearing Pete say center is an important position in Waldron's system, is it fair to say that Pete and John don't trust the scouting department? Someone must have been high on Humphrey. Um, so, uh, like, I wasn't super high on Humphrey. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, but the, he the way he has played now has sh- like um, 
really shaded how people think about his pre-draft stock. Um, he was never, I don't think, really ever considered the number one center. That was mostly Landon Dickerson, who he had some injury stuff. And so those questions about where he would end up going, but I think he was clearly the number one guy. You know, Green Bay took a different center right in front of the Chiefs. Literally the pick before the Chiefs uh, took Creed, Green Bay took a different center. So this guy was not some consensus next big thing. Um, he was well thought of for sure. No, you know, I think second round is roughly where people thought he might go. Um, but I, I, he's way outperforming people's expectations, right? I mean, um, he's he's like the number one. He's the best center in the league. <laughs> so I see I see you wobbling your head, Brian. But like, I don't think no matter what people thought of him, and like people thought he was going to be a good player. But I, I think even his most ardent supporters are probably a little surprised at just how good he's been. Yeah, yeah. I was just wobbling my head because the way I, I thought you were kind of clarifying, you know, building it up is that he kind of came out of nowhere. I, I don't no, think no. that's the case. He was, I mean, when the Seahawks were picking, even before the second round started, he was at the top of the list of players still available that like, how is this guy? Like people thought he was going to go in the first round early. The, there was there was some opinion of him being pretty high. Um, but it, it, uh, yes, I agree. There's no, there's no way anyone was like, yeah, he's going to be the best center in the league, you know, as soon as he's. Yeah, started. no, I mean, like you were not alone in saying, hey, wow, why did they pass on this guy? Right. Yeah. But the flip side of it is he is also just like, you know, like he's been amazing this year. So, and that's a little like, I, I don't think we need to start. A lot of the other centers haven't. That's, right. the, that's, that's the, that's the silent part. Like as, 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 Arden has I've been about pounding the table even at that point that they should have drafted him. There was a bunch of other centers that, you know, was it Quinn? What's his name? I think from Wisconsin or something. I don't know. But like um, a lot of the other guys either aren't even playing or not playing well. So there's one center that really has just popped out of the draft that happened to be the guy that I was excited about. But I would have been excited if they hadn't announced any center and and almost any of those others would have been not so great. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah, Creed would have been the perfect pick. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think that there's like strife between John and the scouting department because they passed on him at the time. Like that wasn't a completely shocking thing. Like I said, Green Bay took a different center right in front of Creed. So obviously, you know, there was a, there were some variants of opinions about just how good he was going to be. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think that's uh, it. Uh, KDB, I'll throw her question in with the one we just answered a bit ago about is there any scenario where Russell will still play with Seahawks next year? Uh, I think we covered that. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, patrons. And again, patreon.com slash hawkblogger gets you in, gets you access to the Slack channel right away, gets you entered to win three free tickets to the game this weekend if you're interested in going, and it gives money to charity. So come on. Uh, join. It'd be great to have you. And uh, it's a good crew. I really like our, our, our Slack community. It's got a lot of good people. Um, so speaking of uh, giving money to charity, I need Jason Myers to stop missing so many goddamn kicks. <laughs> I saw John Hurlbut, our wonderful sponsor from Altitude Homes. I got to go back and check his mouth oh, because. Hurting, dude. <laughs> what did I say? I said Seattle was going to win by three. Guess what? Had that asshat made both of those field goals, we would have won by three. You would have saved me a couple bucks too. Holy crap. <laughs> Does your wife know what you did? She doesn't know what the number is right now. No, but she is <laughs> conceptually aware of the, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, sounds like. Are you done defending him all the time, Evan? Are you done? Y'all were just really quiet for like a year and a half when nothing went wrong. Evan, are you finally done with the content? Are you giving up the content? It's never been about the content. Uh huh. uh -huh. Never been about the content. (laughs) It's uh, it's disappointing. It, it, Jason Myers, he's just like a streaky kicker. Like, I feel like he gets in his head, but you know what? It is what it is. Are? Bad they're kickers. Bad. They're bad. Yeah. Unemployed. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> he's clearly employed by a, by a certain franchise. So for a, a nice check. <laughs> um, all right. So it's nine o'clock. We have not talked about the Jacksonville game at all. And I think we need to spend a little, a few minutes on that. Um, so I, I did my tale of the tape as I do every Wednesday, hawkblogger.com. You want to check it out. Um, and I never really weigh in on, on games until I've had a chance to look at the teams. I have to admit, I went into that fully expecting to say the Seahawks are going to lose this game. And I looked at it, Jacksonville and it's like, it can happen because I think the Jaguars have the better quarterback in this game. I think pretty clearly they have the better quarterback. The Jaguars are really bad. Like, mm-hmm. they're really bad. They just got their first win at home against Miami, and they're coming off a bye week. So those are all the, like, most, like, positive things about the Jaguars. But, like, they're 27th in the NFL in scoring. They are, you know, 30th in turnovers. They don't get explosive passes. Uh Lawrence is 29th in the NFL in passer rating. Um, their defense is worse. They're 26 in points allowed, 30th in yards allowed, 31st in yards per play. Uh, the only thing they do well on, on defense is defend the run, which, again, <laughs> you can see the Seahawks are banging their head against a wall. Um, they're fifth in the NFL in yards per rush, so and number one in the NFL in limiting explosive rushing plays. So. I don't know, guys. I, I look at this game and think um, if the Seahawks defense plays the way it's been playing, the Seahawks probably should win this game. Um, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, so I'm curious. Evan, where are you on this game? What, what are your thoughts about the Jacksonville team and, and the game? Yeah, my biggest concern is I've actually been watching um, almost every Jags game believe it or not, um, because I've been so interested in, in Lawrence, but he seems to be ma- making some like material um, progress in the past several weeks. Um, weeks one through three, I want to say he had like nine or 10 turnovers. And since then he's only had two. His completion percentage is up like 15%. His quarterback rating went from 33rd in the NFL. <laughs> Don't know how that happens. There's clearly some back. Oh, Geno Smith um, to, to 20th in the NFL. So he's been improving, you know, over the first seven weeks of the season, but yeah, they're, they're not a good football team. Um, it's kind of a test for this defense to be quite honest with you. That's embarrassing that we even have to say that, but uh, you know, he's only played seven games this week or this year, but Trevor, Trevor really struggles when he, when he gets under pressure and if Seattle can somehow generate a pass rush, which they haven't done much of this year, then then maybe Seattle could win easily, but it's probably going to be a low scoring defensive game. All right. I got to ask you guys a quick trivia question. I'm sorry. I know you guys are probably ready to, to wrap up soon, but 
who are the top two ranked players on the Seahawks defense via pro football focus? I bet Diggs is one of them. You'd be incorrect. Really? Okay. He's not even in the top 10. Daryl Taylor. Incorrect. Oh. Puna Ford. Number one ranked Seahawks defender is Puna Ford. Oh. And his grade is 76.5. Not good for your job. We'd be happy for Puna, you know, just because it's Puna for that number. Number two. Anyone want to guess? Number two ranked Seahawks defender. Alton Robinson. Good guess, but no, he is seventh. Al. Who'd you say? Al. Al Woods. Ding, ding, ding. Al Woods is 76.2. He's basically identical to Puna Ford. So your top two ranked defenders are your defensive tackles. Bobby is three. You will never guess who number four is. Jamal. Jamal, no. No. (laughs) DJ Reed? DJ Reed, no. Evan, you're you're distracted. No, he's He's, looking it up on his phone. It is Carlos (laughs) Dunlap. Oh, my God. Hmm. He's been there, guys. He's just yeah. not sparkling. <laughs> well, yeah, his pass rush is pretty bad, but his his overall grade is seventy point eight. He's he's defended the run pretty well. According been to awesome him. in coverage, chopping him back and back. <laughs> not so much. No. How many? No. How many defenders? So how many defenders across the board does Seattle have above a seventy overall grade? Four. Interesting. Yep. Daryl Taylor's just under, but yes. Okay. Is he, what is he rated? What is he rated? He is 69. Point- <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, damn it. I, I, <laughs> Ryan knew. <Sorry>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, even the Jags defense, as bad as it is, their top rated player is Josh Allen at 85. Um, and they have five players over 70. Now, one of them, Jay Tufeli, has only played 13 snaps. So, you know, doesn't really count. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted. I, fa- I found that fascinating. Al Woods and Puna Ford. You could win some money in trivia on that one. Um, so, Dana, mm-hmm. you look at this game. What are, what are you seeing? I see a win. I saw a win last week, except for Jason Myers. Um, so, yeah here's here's the thing with Jacksonville I think there's multiple facets to this game that could make it really interesting including the fact that it's like a revenge game for half the Seahawks coaching staff that now works for Urban Meyer right and then you have Pete not wanting to lose to him I think that that's that has been talked about a little bit um and I think that this last game is going to have a little bit of pride to Gino I think that Gino went in last week and he really thought he could he could win that game he really just in his demeanor and the way he was warming up and everything I think that he really thought that he could do this and I was excited to see that because you don't want some kid going out there going I'm just a backup you know and so that made me some encouraged and didn't last long um but I think that they can win this game I think you you rush enough with Jamal Adams I think that will mess with Trevor Lawrence's head just a little bit I think that that's really important um and I think that they can shake it up but mostly they've got to figure out how to get Tyler Lockett involved in this game Mm. like where the hell has Tyler been DK's out there starting fistfights with people every single game I don't know what the hell's wrong with that kid and then 
I thought we, that was a little Marshawn Lattimore last game more than DK. Lattimore looked like he was. You see that one where Marshawn Lattimore is just like this far from me. And he goes, boom, like jumps out and like he's his little brother. Like it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, I'm a cracker. Like it was just too much, right? It was, it was just too much. But I, I just want DK to knock it off for one game, just one. But I've been, I've been really surprised at the complete lack of Tyler Lockett. Like I, I would like to see him more involved. And I don't want Rashad Penny on the field anymore. Just give Alex Collins the ball people that's what i want so i think that they can win this game i think that i was looking back over their scores of the other games i mean the texans blew them out the broncos you know 23 to 13 the cardinals beat them 31 19 the Bengals was probably their closest game at 24 21 the titans blew them out and the dolphins they lost on the field goal so i this is not going to be a hard team to beat for a average football team and so that's what we need the offense and defense to be average or slightly above got it do you have a score because i didn't ask evan for a score i overshot it last week i'm not gonna lie um yeah i think it's gonna be 1924 seattle 1924 okay i'm gonna go 2013 Jacksonville you're insane they haven't beaten anyone they beat one team and it was by three points I don't want it to happen well actually I don't know if I kind of do no, you guys all want actually every there's, game. Some, don't there's, lie. Some, there's some ulterior motives at play here um yeah I think Jags win this game 2013 you're just worried about Shaquille Griffin uh <laughs> the like the 61st ranked cornerback in the NFL. Thank God we didn't sign it. That's that's like one of the best moves of the offseason for sure. Mm-hmm. Um a move they tried. didn't make. They tried. <laughs> they I did. I know. Uh Nathan. I I have to say there is something very, very strangely appealing about the idea of shoddy beating <laughs> Pete. I know Dana is angry again, but oh, uh, bite me on that! Oh my god! No, I know that I makes Dana angry, never but never once am I an angry woman. Uh, well, once, once I was, but no. Um, but but I mean, I'm still holding out hope that this team makes the playoffs, and we we just talked about it. They have to win. They have to win these games. They have to win these games against the Jags and the Texans and the Lions. Um, so I, I mean, I, I hope they win. I think that Jags team is bad. That Jags team has looked at times like a team that has quit on his coach. Uh, and you know, <laughs> he has given them some reasons to quit on them. Um, but I'm actually pretty worried about this game. Uh, uh, it's in I've... Seattle, correct? Yeah. It's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, is it? Yes, yes. It is. Are you sure? Yes, I'm just okay. looked it up. Yes. Are you guys asking if the game this weekend's in Seattle? Oh yeah, because yeah. we're giving tickets. The game that I've been talking about giving tickets away to for the whole. I knew that. Geez, Evan, come on. <laughs> this is how um, much people on the show actually <laughs> listen to my words. Continue. 1916 Jaguars. Oh my God! What the hell's wrong oh. with you people? This is a. I, have you I, like? 
I don't know what team you've watched the last couple of weeks. It hasn't you know, been I watch a team that have managed to lose only by this much. And like, I'm predicting them to lose by better. this much. Like but they're playing much <laughs> better. They're they played better teams than the Jaguars and managed to do that. that you know what I mean? Bad. That Dana, team is bad. Geno Smith is our quarterback. Oh, I know. I know. I get it. I get it. But How? I think of the three. When we started this, of the three, we all agreed at one point that they should be able to beat Jacksonville. I think they should. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pick who he wants. He, uh, so now if Jacob Eason was the quarterback, then I think we know this would be a, an automatic win. That'd be like 37, 12. Yeah. Easy. Uh-huh. Easy. Um, I love that his reputation is like, he's like the uh, a bootleg Jeff George, like physically gifted, great arm, but like a knucklehead. Like that is Jacob Eason's reputation. Um, Enough about Cam Newton. Hey, yeah. People don't remember Jeff George was a backup in Seattle. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> it was. Um, so, yeah, I definitely went into this expecting to pick the Jags to win, mainly for a lot of the reasons that, that Nathan just said. I just think that this team is not very, the Seahawks are not very good right now. Um, I'm going to go and and flip and pick the the Seahawks to win this week. Uh, I think it's going to be like a 17 to 12 kind of game, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I'm sorry if that's close to what a score someone else said, but that's just kind of what's floating around my brain. Um, yeah, yeah. I will say this, if the Seahawks lose this game, fold up the shop. Like, 0-4 at home, 2-6. Anyway, like, ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think that could happen. Um, we'll see. Uh, Anything else that you guys wanted to cover before we, uh, before we, oh, Dana, what did you agree with us about? Oh, go ahead, Nathan. I mean, Evan, you were going to say something. Go ahead. The Blair news sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I know. He wasn't playing that great, though. <laughs> he really wasn't. But if we rewind back to the offseason, when we were making our cases for hope and optimism about, you know, Seattle having a really strong year. One of the players that we, you know, mm-hmm. hoped would step up was Marquise Blair. So, yeah. you know, pre-injury, like you said, he just hasn't been playing well. And unfortunately, the trajectory of that draft pick doesn't look great right now. I'm going to jump in real quick before we go back to you, Dana. The flip side of that, though, I think uh, Jordan Brooks gave us some reason for excitement, some reason for Good. hope in that Saints game. And so, yeah, absolutely gutted for him, for Blair. Uh, but the the hype around Brooks can start back up and maybe he can start to be the positive player that we thought he was going to be. Yeah, Evan, real quick before we go back to it, who are the players that like you really like on the Seahawks team right now? Just any like any jump out to you? Like under the radar players? Yeah, just guys that you're you're a fan of. Uh, Daryl Taylor, Trey Brown. Why, is, why do I feel like this is a setup for a joke? <laughs> I'm just worried. Like <laughs> anyone you like sucks or gets hurt. Like it's just a bad, like 
It used to be like you had to <laughs> but like you literally like ask for a jerseys of guys that 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 no longer are on the team. You well, like, I just bought a DK Metcalf jersey. Oh I'm just God. kidding. No, I didn't, but I oh. want to. <laughs> or Bowden. Should I delay my purchase? You absolutely should. Or just never do it. At least until you go on a foursome with him. So <laughs> It golf's big down in Arizona. I don't know why you're laughing. It's so funny. anyways, Dana, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, we were talking throughout the week in, in our chat after. I just want to also make it very clear that Nathan is a huge liar. When I write stuff in the chat when they're doing post games, I have smiley faces. I'm like, you guys are morons, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm angry. I'm not an angry woman. You're a liar. It's true. It's nothing but those I got, I a lot of angry like, faces. Gina, and... Don't call them not fans. They can be a fan and where they want. I'm like, oh my God, I was totally joking. <laughs> so thanks for that, Nathan. That was really fun. But um, no, what I was, we talked throughout the week, you know, kind of different scenarios. And we talked about whether or not we thought, much like the Patreon question, you know, that was me, Russ or Pete or that sort of thing. And, and one thing that I agreed with you on is that there has to be some change. We know that there's going to be some, there has to be at this point a change. And people are like, well, what if they come back and everything's fine? It doesn't matter. This year feels different to me. It feels different because of the off season. It feels different because it's, I think it's because Pete has hit 70 and I'm not saying it's an, in an ageist sort of way in any way, shape or form. We know he's still a great coach, but I just feel like he's starting to, you know, kind of feel his age a little bit. I really, truly think, and I said this to you guys, I, I stand by it. And if Russell Wilson is gone tomorrow, I will still think that this would have been the smart thing to do. You keep Russ, you pay Russ. He is your team. He is the face of your team. He's your franchise quarterback. This reminds me a lot of the Green Bay situation where they kept the quarterback and got rid of the coach. They got rid of McCarthy, right? And then Aaron Rodgers had an input on who came in. And I think that I've had a gut feeling, no insider information at all, just a gut feeling all year that that was part of the conversations between Russ and the team in the off season was if this does not work, what is the next step? So I really think that there's been another conversation, but if you get rid of Russell Wilson, you're going to get rid of a huge chunk of your season ticket holders. And that is financial disaster. And as much as we like the Allen family, we do not have a fierce competitor as an owner. You don't have, you know, Jerry Jones. You don't have those people who just want to win and they don't care how much money they have to spend. And so I think that while we agree there has to be a big change, I think the biggest difference between especially Brian and I is that I think Russell Wilson is the more important piece that you keep, even though he has more trade value. And then you have to start to let the coaching pieces go. And I think if Pete goes, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a completely cleaned out house. I do think John will stay, but that's just me. So so I've decided yeah, on my I want jersey. to clarify something that's super like not, not that it'll get clarified with me saying this because people love to paint me in certain corners. Did I say something wrong? I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean I, to. I don't think Pete is more important than Russ. That's that's not my opinion. Oh, I didn't mean that at all. I'm uh, sorry. I must have said it wrong. I'm sorry. No, that's no, no. Right. I just I I'm totally fine with them moving on from Pete. That's not an mm-hmm. issue at all. The issue for me with Russ is just whether or not the roster is good enough to be able to rebound around him. I just see it differently than Evan. I, I think that they've got challenges all over the place and guys getting like, you take Bobby and Dwayne Brown out of here who are both older players and that's significant. And, and I think there's more than that that's problematic with this team. And I think your only player that can actually return anything meaningful to help rebuild your roster is your quarterback who still is young enough to fetch a lot in return. 
if you hit on everything, I think you're still two to three years at best away from being good again. And Russ is 37 by then. And so I just think that there's a real risk of holding on to things too long. I love Russ. He's the best quarterback we've ever had. Um, no. Hall of yeah. Fame player. I just have concerns that it's going to really prolong how long this team's mediocre or worse. And there's a huge, huge, massive risk with trading Russell Wilson. Huge risk. Mm-hmm. Way bigger risk uh, in terms of if you just want to be competitive than if you keep him. Um, but if you're but you said, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I just think yeah. he's your he's your only he is your only uh, piece that True you can value. actually get a bunch of young talent infused. That's 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 really where it comes down to. And I totally understand that. But I think one of one of you guys said, and it might have been Jeff. So one of the gang said in chat, though, how appealing that would be to a new coach to have Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. And then a how that would you would maybe bring in some seriously strong coaching candidates because you have those pieces in place already, much like they did in Green Bay. And I know there's some differences in Green Bay. I, I get that. I'm not saying they're identical situations. I, I just feel like from a P from because that's my background is, is so in a PR and in a money situation where you want to keep that fan base engaged Mm -hmm. because if you get rid of everybody and your coach, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose a huge chunk of your fan base. That's just the way it works. Well, don't worry. That's money. They're not getting rid of Jason Myers. He's not leaving. He's getting an extension. (laughs) And that's all that matters. You have a Pete Carroll Jersey. Like I was going to be my joke. You stole my joke. We both read the chat. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you saw that. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say something, but I forget yeah. what it was. You do have a Schneider baby. jersey, so that oh, he burnt that, right? Didn't didn't she burn that? No, I still got it. Oh, and you wonder why the drafts have been what they've been. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. <laughs> Thanks, Evan Hill. No one is shocked to find out that the actual root cause of the Seahawks' problem is Evan Hill. I remembered what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of issues plaguing this franchise obviously across the spectrum um but left tackle is a big fucking problem moving forward like there's not a it's not it's not 100 sure that you know Dwayne brown is on this team next year if, if russell's still here like that's a whole that's a whole separate issue that i think fans need to be thinking about so yeah left tackle right tackle center it's bad back linebackers <laughs> cornerbacks <laughs> line like yeah it's not a small list it's not a small list all right um encouraging <laughs> glowing <laughs> the whole team fucking sucks <laughs> Sorry. i love them still i love them still uh, yeah oh my god yeah, well, hopefully they hopefully they play well this week and and uh, have some highlights. That'd be fun. And you and, suck, and but win. Maybe, maybe DK will give us more content and enjoy. <laughs> what type of content, buddy? On what platform? Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. It's been fun and appreciate the the conversation as always. You know what to do. Click the like. It takes a second. We really appreciate it. it helps the show grow and helps the community grow. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. Click subscribe to the channel and go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger to get access to the Slack community immediately and get 
entered to potentially get free tickets, three free tickets to the game this weekend against the Jaguars. We would love to have you, love to get you to go. We uh, gave him to Isaiah this past week. He got to take his dad, uh, who was in town, and they had a great time, even though the game didn't go really as well as we anyway, had hoped. So, all right. Take care, everybody. Go Hawks.